Well, welcome to the latest to the ASA podcast with me, Dr. Chris Keel, and <clears throat> my very weird voice today. I apologize for that. So, too many miles on the road, I think, and not enough coffee. So, today's topic is kind of interesting, and it's more than kind of interesting, it's very interesting. If there were two metrics wholesale distributors in our industry should be keeping an eye on right now, what would your picks to be and why? You know, for an economist, this is kind of like asking who your favorite child is, um, or if you have a preference over your dog or your cat. I like all my metrics, and they all, of course, add up to one kind of uh, assessment of a whole. But yes, there are some that are going to be more instructive, perhaps, particularly in the next several months. And I'm not sure if I can even narrow it to, to two, but, you know, somewhere in that range, two to three, maybe four. So one of the ones that is consistently good as far as figuring out what's happening with the economy right now is the Purchasing Managers Index. And the reason for that is that a lot of economic data takes several months to collect. So when you get it, it's already old. It's something that is telling you what happened in the summer, maybe even what happened in the spring. But the PMI is monthly, it's a survey, and you get current data. The other thing that makes it good is that many surveys are a little unreliable. They're either fudged because people are not asking quite the right question or people are trying to manipulate the questions. And oftentimes it's just people don't know how to answer them. You know, the consumer confidence surveys, for example, I don't like because the consumer that's being asked doesn't really know. I mean, are you feeling confident? Sure, I guess. I don't know. So it's it's not the indicator I would like it to be. But the purchasing manager doesn't really know enough to lie, and they know how to answer the question that's being posed. They're being asked, are you buying more or less of something or buying the same? And they can just be very honest and say, yeah, I'm buying more of this, I'm buying less of that. And it gives you a very quick running ability to figure out what's going on with many industries. The other powerful thing about the PMI is that it's done by a company called IHS Market, and they do it for about 38 other countries around the world. So you've got something to compare to. You can look at what's going on in Germany and Japan and Brazil and see what it compares to in the U.S., so I would look at the PMI. It's also easy to understand. Anything over 50 is considered growth. Anything under 50 is considered contraction. And right now the numbers are in the mid-high 50s. They were even in the 60s earlier this summer. So the PMI has been showing some pretty strong numbers. Number two indicator, of course, is anything to do with inflation. And there's lots of different ways to look at inflation. We've got the consumer price index, and you've got the producer price index, and you've got personal consumption expenditures. The CPI and the PPI are both very good and current, but they're based on assessing a basket of goods. There's sort of a theoretical basket of what people consume, and then we look at those prices and see what they've done from month to month. But you're only as good as that guess is. So with the consumer side, 
one of the challenges has always been that boomers don't buy the way Gen Xers do, and Gen Xers don't buy the way millennials do, and millennials don't buy the way Gen Z does. So what is a typical basket? It's going to be different for each of those generations. The personal consumption expenditure, the PCE, is what the Fed uses to look at inflation. Much more accurate because it's simply looking at what actually has happened as far as prices are concerned, but it's slower to come out. It takes a while for that data to be collected, so the PCE is always going to be a month or two behind what actually took place. And so that's, again, that weakness of the delay in economic data. There are some other things to pay attention to as far as inflation, and mostly that means being sure that you understand what is really taking place. Like in the last year or so, we've had such low prices in the 2020 period that anything in 2021 looked dramatic. I mean, you, you were just simply seeing a return to normal, but it was showing up as a major inflationary surge. Take something like oil. If you were looking at the prices of oil per barrel in 2020 and compared them to what they were earlier this year, it would have been staggering. But that was because in 2020, the per barrel price was 12 bucks, and that's not normal. So when it began to come back to normal, it looked like a dramatic rise. So there's a variety of ways of looking at inflation to kind of even that out, and I don't want to bore you with the details, but it's using statistical methods to kind of eliminate the highs and the lows to get something in the average. Another thing to pay attention to for the industry, of course, is employment. And we look at a lot of employment data, and there's a couple of things just to throw out to keep an eye on. The employment numbers that we get are one of six cuts that the Bureau of Labor Statistics does with the data. It's U3, and it's the easiest of the six to report on because all it is are people who are formally on unemployment. They're getting unemployment benefits. They're going to the unemployment office seeking work. But U6, which is a different cut, is a little more accurate because it picks up the discouraged workers, people who are not formally looking for work, but are nonetheless unemployed and are looking more informally. If they see an opportunity, they take it. Right now, that is a much larger percentage. U3 has us around 5% unemployment. U6 is twice that. So pay a little bit of attention to that. And then also pay attention to a couple of other employment-related numbers that give you a better sense of what's happening in the market. One is the quit rate, which comes from the JOLTS report, the Job Opportunity Labor Turnover Survey. The quit report, or the quit rate, is going to tell you how many people are willing to just ditch their job and go out and look for a new one. And that quit rate is very high right now. So even when people don't have a job to go to, they have the confidence that if I quit today because I can't stand it anymore, I can find another job as soon as I want it. And that is a very strong indicator of people's confidence in the labor market. And then finally, as far as unemployment is concerned, it's paying attention to a much bigger number 
which is the workforce participation rate. Um, right now, we're at the lowest level of workforce participation that we have been since the 1970s. And that has a lot to do with why there are so many jobs available and so few people to take them. The biggest reason for this very low rate of participation has been retirement. We've been watching this evolve for years, but don't seem to have prepared for it. 10,000 boomers retire every day. That is almost 3.7 million people leaving the workforce or potentially leaving the workforce every year. And that's been going on for nearly a decade, and it will continue to go on for another almost decade. So that is the underlying problem with the workforce right now. It's not that we have tens of millions of people who don't want to go to work. It's just that we're losing three and a half million workers every year. And they're being backfilled to a degree, but not completely. So those are the things to kind of watch. Normally, our workforce participation rate is like 68, 69 and it's 10 points less than that nearly. So those are the things that I would pay attention to. Obviously, each industry is going to have its own markers. Uh, so you're going to be paying attention to housing starts, and you're going to be paying attention to permits, and you're going to be paying attention to what kind of commercial opportunities are showing up in construction. You're going to be looking at oil prices. Like I said, it's really hard to pick those key things that that tell all the stories. I mean, we economists like to make it good and complicated and have as many indicators as we possibly can. But the the big ones for most people have to do with, you know, where's inflation going, what's going on with the labor supply, and sort of what's the performance of the economy itself month to month. So I hope that helps. And I hope you're not even more confused than you were when I started this. And we'll talk next week. I think we're due for a webinar so we can get into some of these issues in a little bit more detail. The hot thing right now, and it certainly will be next week, is what's going on with energy. So you can look forward to that. That will be a focal point for the next webinar. Thanks very much, and we'll talk later.